Welcome to the Bleeding Cincy Red Podcast, Best Case, Worst Case Scenario Edition, where we focus on one player each episode during spring training and discuss what they've done for us in the past and what they will mean to this 2018 World Championship team. Who do we have today, Robert? In this episode, we're going to talk about Jose Peraza. Go Reds! Jose Peraza, future second baseman of the Reds organization, who's now looking like the future shortstop of the Reds organization. Maybe. Um, <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> he's uh, he's, he's um, another one of these like really interesting players for the 2018 Reds, uh, because it's hard to get a read on what, what we're going to get in 2018 from him. He's really hard to get a read on. You know, we we got him in the Todd Frazier trade. He came over from the Dodgers in that three-team trade with the White Sox. And I know Walt Jockety and company were really high on him. Like, they were exceptionally high on him. And I remember seeing some of his minor league stats, and and I, I wasn't clear why they were so high. Like, he looked like a solid player, but it, it, it was hard to see you know, him being extremely successful in any particular category, just kind of like middling numbers in a lot of them. And, and he, he's going to be two thousand or he's going to be 24 in April of this year. So his, uh, the, the top the clock definitely is ticking on working out the Kings and starting to kind of put together a season that's going to be good. I mean, he started as he was the opening day starting second baseman, I believe for the Reds. Um, this year, and I mean, partway through the year, he he essentially lost his job to Scooter Jeanette, who had an amazing year, and, and mm-hmm. rightfully so, de- deserved to take that spot over. But with Zach Cozart gone, he's going to shift. Uh, Jose Peraza is going to shift over to shortstop, and I'll be very curious to see how he does over there. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely going to be an offensive drop from Cozart to Peraza. It definitely looks like there's going to be a real defensive drop from Cozart to Peraza. And that's not to say Peraza's not going to have a good season, but just that Cozart performed at such a high level uh, the past couple of years when he's healthy. Um, but with Peraza, it's, it's really it's, it's such a hard, it's hard to tell, like, you know, is... In 2016, when he first came onto the Reds, he played about half a season, hit 324, got on base at a, a 352 uh, clip, which uh, is pretty solid. Uh, stole 20 something bases in those 72 games. So um, you go into 2017, or at least when I was going into 2017, I was thinking, you know, this guy's going to be. A great asset, you know. You have Hamilton and then Peraza. You have two guys getting on base, stealing bases, and scoring runs. And um, 
what ended up happening is that his uh, on-base percentage went dip below 300, and uh, his batting average uh, dropped uh, 60, 65 points. So it's hard to tell. You know, is that is that because he was putting more pressure on himself as a starter? Uh, you know, was there something that he's, uh, you know, just getting into the day-to-day routine of the majors? Does he just have some stuff he has to work through to get back up to a better level? And I, I just, I don't. 100% no, though I do know that his numbers did slightly improve on the second half season, July through September. Uh, his batting average was 267, and he did have an on-base percentage of 319, which you know is, is a lot easier to stomach than the, the 297 that he had for the whole season. And a lot of the season, it felt like it was more like 260 or 270, uh, at least the beginning of the season, you know, which was really hard to stomach and, and watch as a fan. <laughs> it was really hard to stomach and watch as a fan because you didn't expect it. Like you said, in 2016, he really showed promise. And one of the keys was that he was making good contact when he hit the ball. And because of that, he was uh, getting base hits and he had the, the, the 320 plus batting average. What's been really tough about him is he does not take a lot of pitches. Uh, in fact, the good news is he only struck out 70 times last year in 518 plate appearances. The bad news is it's because he has absolutely no plate discipline whatsoever and swings at everything. And uh, he had a he had a mind-boggling low 20 walks. And that is, is someone who abides by the what's the one rule uh, you have as a hitter, what's your job, and it's don't make outs. Uh, swinging at bad pitches often creates outs. And I, I'm fearful... As a fan, I'm fearful that other pitchers after that first year realize that he's a, a, a big free-swinging player. And because of that, they know that he's going to nibble at stuff that's around the plate and isn't in kind of his wheelhouse. And because of that, he's going to swing at those pitches and make contact. I mean, he's a good contact hitter. The The lack of strikeouts really, really kind of proves that. But he hits that ball, he puts it in play, but because he's swinging at such bad pitches, he's not fundamentally putting them into good spots into play that give him an opportunity to get that, that base hit and get on base. And because of that, I believe, and we would have to probably dive into some of the, the deeper metrics to, to figure it out, but I believe that is what really hurt him in 2006 or 17, particularly early on. He seemed to become a little bit slightly more patient in the second half and in the second half he did seem to see a little bit of improvement now he wasn't playing every day he was part of that kind of rotation with uh, scooter Jeanette and playing some shortstop with uh cozart when he got hurt and i think that that may have alleviated some pressure off of him and so i i am really hopeful one of the things that definitely concerns me about Jose Peraza, and as, uh, as high as my expectations are for some other players and as bullish as I am on them, with him, I am kind of bearish. Uh, I, I, I My expectations are low, which is a good thing. Uh, that gives him an opportunity to play well and, and to prove me wrong. Uh, and we don't need him necessarily at the top of the lineup. He can hit late in the lineup. Uh, you know, if Jesse Winker is up there with Billy Hamilton or whomever, uh, I think we have some other options, even Scooter Jeanette, the way he was playing, or even Tucker Barnhart hit so great that he could be up there, which should alleviate some pressure from Jose Peraza and allow him to hit later in the lineup. The thing, One of the things that concerns me is I was looking up his stats, and I looked up 
his comparable or similar batters through age 23 season. And the guys on this list are named Haney Zimmerman, Ken Boswell, Creepy Crespi. That's a real <laughs> name. Creepy Crespi. Uh, Manuel Lee. And it goes on to many other guys you don't recognize or nobody recognizes. The only one on this list I recognize mm-hmm. is Wilton Guerrero. And and he I remember him more because I remember his name sounded like Vladimir Guerrero, who mm-hmm. was a, a free-swinging player and, and rarely took a walk. But Vladimir Guerrero also was one of these rare talents that for some reason, whenever he hit the ball, it just went four miles and he, he would swing at a pitch. They tried to intentionally walk him, and he swung at the pitch. <laughs> I believe, if I mistake, correct me if I'm not mistaken, a pitcher bounced a ball up to the plate, and he still hit it. And that is Vladimir Guerrero. Jose Peraza is no Vladimir Guerrero, at least not yet. And I, I don't think he would get there, of course. But the, these names on this list are, are definitely concern me, and I want to be as optimistic as possible, but... But it's a bit challenging looking up to this point. At the same token, he's still only 24 years old. He does have an opportunity to kind of turn that around a little bit. Yeah, the one place where, you know, I hold on to a little bit of hope is the guy that uh, Peraz is going to be playing next to Suarez. Uh, he had uh, a really good first year with the Reds. And then his second year with the Reds, when he like was playing a full season, kind of slumped a little bit and then came back up last year, you know, and bounced back a little bit. Of course, it's a different type of hitter. You know, Suarez hits homers. Uh, Perales is never going to be that guy, uh, but he does steal bases um, and has that speed. Suarez also improved his uh, fielding from when he first started with the Reds uh, to where he was at last year. So I've definitely got room for hope there. Uh, the hard thing, as you mentioned, is looking at some of the metrics right now, it's, it's hard to know if that hope's actually going to pan out in the end. You, you can't wait around for every player that has a bad season to bounce back and be as solid as Suarez was last year. Uh, that, that doesn't That's kind of uh, the exception to the rule a lot of times and, and not the norm. Um, one of the things I just have to hope is that Peraza being around all of these really good hitters, Suarez, Vado, uh, Scooter, that that kind of um, by osmosis kind of starts to, to come off on them, just watching their approach and, and how they handle things. And hopefully, uh, you know, just part of his maturity starts to realize that, hey, you know, taking a walk every once in a while might actually help my stolen bases, might help me score more runs, you know, for, for the team. So just got to hope that happens. But uh, the, the one thing that does give me hope is his 2016 numbers, though. Uh, he still wasn't taking uh, walks then, but he was getting on base. And, and hopefully uh, that, that shows at least that he has a good eye. And, and hopefully as he develops some patience at the major league level, uh, maybe that good eye will translate to some walks along with the, those hits. I agree. I, I'm hopeful that Joey Votto rubs off on him. I mean, he's rubbed off on Suarez. In fact, I'm really looking forward to uh, our best case, worst case scenario episode uh, about AUNEO Suarez. I think it's going to be a lot of fun talking about him. Um, the, the difference, I was just looking this up because it, it crossed my mind and I was curious, is that with Jose Peraza in that first season where his average was so high and then last year when it was so low, I started to wonder, well, was luck involved? Was he just 
really unlucky last year uh, is that that would hurt him. So I looked up uh, his batting average on balls in play, which is a, a an advanced metric that is used, B-A-B-I-P, to see based on the number of balls that a player hits and, and puts in the field, there is typically uh, an average that most players hit. And the average MLB uh, for MLB players um, over the past few years is right around 300. So for the balls they hit and play, they usually hit around 300. Now that doesn't factor in strikeouts into their average, which is why not everybody's hitting around 300. The point is, I looked for his 2016 season, and with a major league average of 300 on BABIP, he was actually up around 355, 360. So it looks like he was a little lucky that year. And then in 2017, uh, I looked, and with the average still around 300, he hit uh, his BABIP was right around like. 290, 295. So he was right in line with the league average there. So it looks like luck didn't really play much of a factor there. And because of that, it, it does kind of cement in my mind the idea that he is swinging at a lot of bad pitches. And so um, he, if he can develop, like you said, Robert, if he can just develop a little bit of patience and not, he doesn't even have to walk a ton, just develop a better eye for the strike zone and lay off some of those uh, low pitches that are not in his wheelhouse, I think he can raise his average, you know, 20, 30 points. If he can do that, he becomes a very valuable asset, especially late in the lineup with speed. Um, if you bat him, you know, in front of the pitcher, you could have a scenario where he comes up and steals on the first pitch, and then you sacrifice him over to third, and suddenly you have a good opportunity to score with the top of the lineup. So, uh, I think there is some hope there, um, but but his numbers do make me more nervous than many other players on this team. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, uh, you know, we've got some different prospects in our system who are going to be trying to make their way up. Uh, you know, we've got um, Nick Senzel, obviously, an uh, infielder who a lot of people are excited about and hope. Uh makes it onto the squad uh, in the second half of the season. And if he does, uh, it's going to squeeze somebody out of the infield. And right now, like if I'm trying to pick who would be squeezed, it would be Peraza at the moment. And, um, you know, and even like some, uh, you know, the red zone, uh, former first round pick Alex Blandino uh, down in Louisville even uh, looks sort of interesting to me as, as somebody uh, to try to give Peraza a run for his money. Now, obviously, I think Peraza's has so much invested in him that he's going to start the season as the starter at short. But uh, uh, if he starts off uh, doing what he's doing last year, um, you know, it's it's going to make for an interest, some interesting decisions uh, later in the season. Uh, if that happens and really anything he does is going to be interesting to me because if he he continues doing what he's doing it's going to be interesting to see how the reds react to that uh how they manage that and then if he just all of a sudden like everything clicks and he starts doing really well that's going to be very interesting to me as well i'll be curious to see how the reds handle it just like you i think one of the things that would be ideal is if he came out of the gate and was smoking Red hot, 
and he was smoking red hot for a couple of months with the idea that and and I don't know if this is a popular move or it is something that it doesn't sound like something the Reds would do but come out be smoking red hot with all things equal and the Reds potentially flip him at that moment I, I've got no problem because we have guys coming up and the idea is if we could get someone with high value um, for a period of time that another team would need um, who who doesn't have to be part of our long-term plans. I think Jose Peraza may be that guy. And I'm not convinced that he's going to come out of the gate smoking hot. But all things equal, it would be amazing if he did. And, you know, if he does come out smoking hot and they don't trade him, all he's doing will be keeping uh, Nick Senzel down in the minors and allowing us to keep him for an additional year down the road and let him continue to mature and then worry about it. That would be a good problem to have, you know, yeah, just be, be like a Jesse Winker problem. Yes. Like know, a Jesse like, Winker problem that we're, we're, we're having right now. So, which is not bad, <laughs> which is not bad to have. I would rather have that than, than have, I would rather have too many good outfielders or good players than not enough. And that's, that's the hopeful part for Jose Peraza. So I'm going to dive in here. I think it's time for the best case, worst case scenario. And I'm going to give you my best case scenario, which is he shows slightly more patience. He uses his speed on the base pads more than in the past. Hopefully getting on base a little bit more frequently will add to that. And he plays okay defenses short. I just don't think he will be able to match Zach Cozart. I mean, not many can. And so if he plays, if he does all that, he essentially turns into Orlando Cabrera, which Orlando Cabrera was a good enough player. In fact, he even played for the Reds for a short period of time. And, uh, and I think because of the rest of the, the firepower we have in our lineup, that would be okay. And that really is kind of like what I view as the ceiling for him. And that's a best case scenario as opposed to starting out, I guess the super best case scenario is that he starts off mega hot and he either keeps that up or we trade him. But I, I, I'm sticking with this for what I believe is the best case for him. The worst case scenario for Jose Peraza in 2018, in my mind, is that he continues to swing at bad pitches out of the strike zone, shows a complete lack of discipline at the plate, um, is not able to turn into the AUNEO Suarez at the shortstop position, and loses his job by the All-Star break when Nixon Zell or Alex Blandino, who I actually met once, super nice guy, um, pushes his way into the starting lineup for our 2018 Cincinnati Reds. What do you think, Robert? Yeah, I think we're pretty pretty much aligned on uh, Peraza. You know, my best case is that uh, he's able to match his 2016 output, uh, get his batting average up around, uh, you know, uh, maybe not 324, but maybe like uh, 280, 290, uh, at least get on base above uh, 320, you know, where, uh, you know, it just hurts to see a player getting on base less than 30% of the time. And, um, and also get back to the speed as 2016 season, uh, 21 stolen bases and 241 at bats. I would love to see that kind of speed work happening with Peraza. If he would have done that last year, he would have had uh, 40 something stolen bases. So if he could get up to 40, 50 stolen bases and uh, be getting on base um, at that better clip, that would be my best case scenario for him. I don't expect him to dominate the lineup uh, at all. Uh, but if he can be a contributor, uh, 
that would be a step in the right direction. You know, whereas last year I felt like a lot of times it was, you know, I felt like there's more more frequently going to be an out or uh, a play that didn't result in, in much. Um, worst case is that he uh, continues his uh, first half of 2017. And uh, as you said, gets benched for uh, Blandino moving up or uh, Senzel moving up or, you know, just, they, they figure something else out and he's not the answer. If he's not the answer, that's the worst case scenario because, you know, he's supposed to be the answer at shortstop. So that's my best worst. And that's smart. That's smart right there. I, I, I love how you said, like, this is the year we have to find out about Jose Peraza. Some of the other players, you know, we still have a little bit of time, but we have to learn if he's the guy and we have to figure that out this year. And if he's not you know, cut bait. And if he is, then that makes people like Landino trade bait to, to upgrade where we need it as we, as we move into this, this new window for the Reds postseason hopes and chances. So anyway, thanks to everyone for listening as always. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, uh, at bleeding Cincy red and on Twitter, which is bleeding Cincy red without a G on bleeding. And if you like what you hear, please Please, please rate us on iTunes. The uh, the reviews help other Reds fans find their way to us. And we hope you continue to enjoy all these uh, Bleeding Cincy Red best case, worst case scenario spring training podcasts as we release them over the course leading up to opening day. And a special thanks to our all-time favorite Red, Barry Larkin, for listening. I'm sure he's tuned in somewhere. Go Reds! <laughs>